We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of Kandelvi's book, we are now on session 14, uh, looking at Imam Bukhari's quartet on page 41. Okay, go for it. <clears throat> Imam Bukhari's quartet. I would like to conclude this chapter with Imam Bukhari's quartet, better known as Ubayyat. Al-Bukhari. Yeah, which basically means like the four. Yeah. Yeah. Which has already been mentioned in the introduction, Muqaddama, of Awjaz al-Masalik. Mm-hmm. And in my other book, Ikhtilaf al-A'imma. What's Ikhtilaf al-A'imma? Differences between the uh, scholars? Yeah, between the imams. That's a, the book's also translated in English. We can probably explore that at some point. <clears throat> it is reproduced here, both from Ikhtilaf al-A'imma and Awjaz. The Hadith masters establish the strictest rules for one who wishes to busy himself, gain insight into, and speak or write about, write on the subject of the science of Hadith. They also establish rules to aid the student in his study of the Hadith. Their rules and restrictions are more demanding of the teacher and the Hadith master. Though this chapter has drawn, uh, drawn on quite a while, it is an opportune time to relate this interesting story of Imam Bukhari. It is a story which shows us the hardships the, uh, the hardships the pious predecessors expected one to overcome in order to gain knowledge of a hadith. He himself was a uh, person who struggled hard in his path, in this path, as a student, and who achieved the status of a hadith master in this field. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of key points here. <coughs> it's not just strict rules for hadith, mm-hmm. it's strict rules for what it means to be a student, and strict rules for what it means to be a teacher, mm-hmm. right? And so, a lot of this is strict rules in terms of discipline and character. Mm-hmm. Let's continue. Muhammad, Muhammad ibn Ahmad says, When Walid ibn Ibrahim was dismissed from his position as the judge Qadi of, of Rai, now a suburb in Tehran, he moved to Bukhara. My teacher Abu Ibrahim Khattali took me to meet him. When we met him, he requested that he narrate all the hadith he had heard from him, from our spiritual mentors and elders. Walid said, I did not hear any narrations or any hadith. My teacher was shocked. He asked, you are such a great jurist, faqih, and you say such a thing? Walid then told his story. He said, when I reached adulthood and was eager to study the science of hadith, I came to Imam Bukhari and I explained and explained my situation to him. He advised me and said, listen, my son, whenever you begin a subject, you first learn its prerequisites. Make the intention to learn the subject once you have, uh, make intention to learn the subject once you have understood its prerequisites and objectives. Now listen, a man cannot be a, an accomplished scholar of hadith until he writes four things with four things, uh, four things with four things, like four things, with four things. Keep as, going. With four things as four things. In so, the so four things with four things, like four things with four things as four things in four time periods and four situations and four places on four things to four types of people for four reasons. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> and these quartets cannot be gained, but with four things, <laughs> which must be with four other things. When all these are attained, then four things become easy upon him and he's put into hardship by four things. And then he is patient with these four things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors him with four things in the material world and four things in the hereafter. So remember we were saying everything's four or five? Yeah. Here it is. <coughs> okay. I said to him, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon you. Please explain these quartets for me. He said, of course, listen, the four things which one must write are the beautiful hadith of the Prophet, blessed Prophet wasallam, and his rulings, the sayings of the companions, عنهم, and the status of each companion, companion عنهم, the sayings of, his, of the first successors, their caliber, and who amongst them was reliable and unreliable. Knowledge, knowledge of all the narrators who narrated, narrated a hadith and their background. The history of the narrators must include four things. Their biographies, Asma al-Rijal, 
Arvijan. Number two, their agnomens, Kunya. Number three, where they settled and lived. Number four, their date of birth and date of death to verify whether the narrator met the people whom he claimed to narrate from. Okay, so look at the four, excuse me, the first list of four. The hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the rulings, the and the companions, status of each companions. Remember we said the companions are of different levels. Mm-hmm. And then Tabi'in, and then all the narrators. Mm-hmm. Okay, that part's pretty straightforward. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, Sahaba, and Tabi'in. So he has to write it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think what that actually means is you have to know it. Mm-hmm. The history of the narrators, so their biographies, right? Kunya, what's Kunya? Um, it's Abu such and such. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like Abu such and such, Ibn such and such, yeah. right? Sometimes a nickname. Um, then where they settled, lived, and birth and death, right? Okay, next thing. These four things are necessary as four things with four things. Are as necessary as four things with four things. Number one, sermon khutbah with praise and exaltation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hamd and thana. Number two, to send, uh, to send blessings and salutations, salat wa salam, with the bless- names of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number three, bismillah with the surah. Number four, the opening takbir of salat. Al-takbir uh, al-tahrima with salat. Okay, so this is what Imam al-Bukhari used to do for every single hadith. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he yeah. would recite a surah beforehand? He would do two rakats nafal for every hadith. Awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so even like look at the first two lists. You have the Prophet, Sahaba, uh, Tabi'in, and the narrators, and the second list is all about the narrators. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is how you respect each hadith. Awesome. Uh, it's even said that uh, Imam Malik, mm-hmm. anytime he would recite a hadith, he would dress in his best clothes and put on ithar. Right? And you could assume he has wudu. Right? Yeah. You know, uh, every time I'm trying to teach deen, I always try to have wudu when I'm teaching deen. Very rarely do I not have wudu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next one. <clears throat> and like four things. The hadith with an unbroken transmission to the Blessed Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Musnad. Musnad. Number two, the hadith transmitted transmitted by one of the first successors to the companions radiallahu anhum from the blessed prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the name of the companion radiallahu anhum mm-hmm. number three sayings of the prophet uh, the companions radiallahu anhum mawquf number four sayings of the successors mm-hmm. first successors so these are four different types of narrations mm-hmm. right continuous chain to the prophet peace be upon him mursal is we don't know who the companion is. So imagine you have three companions who are saying the same thing and a tabi is quoting it, mm-hmm. right? Um, that would be an example, right? Uh, and then sayings of the companions, athar is a general term, here's ma'uf, and then the sayings of the tabi'in, maktua. Okay, continue. <clears throat> These are four different ba- branches in the science of the hadith, which can only be attained in four different periods. Number one, childhood. Number two, near adulthood. Number three, f- after adulthood. And number four, before old age. Keep going. And the means in, of attaining these four branches in different situations is in preoccupation, number one, number two, in free time, number three, in poverty, and number four, in affluence. In essence, a person should be incess- incessantly preoccupied with the attainment of these four branches in four places, in, number one, in the mountains, number two, in the rivers, number three, in the cities, and number four, in the rural, rural areas and jungles. In essence, a person should travel wherever a teacher muallim of hadith may be may be to learn the hadith from for him from four th- for, on four things. 
Number one on the rocks, number two on the oysters, number three on leather, and number four on bones. So what is, what is this list of four? Like, this one? Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. Is it just like, where the hadith? Where it's going to be recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about um, an era, I mean, it's only very, very recently in world um, history that, pa that paper is yeah. cheap, right? Like, paper is so cheap now, I can have a scratch piece of paper and throw it away. Mm go 300 years ago and higher, and that's unthinkable, yeah. right? Likewise, having a plastic cup and throwing it away. Mm -hmm. And so this is what they had. And this is just the, yeah. the scholar of the book, right? Okay. <laughs> that's what yeah. I was like. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the person who's speaking was a guy who was talking to Imam al-Bukhari. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, 1,200 years ago. Okay. And, and, and so, yeah, Imam al-Bukhari is saying, this, these are all your prerequisites. Yeah, yeah. So we have the different periods of your life, different uh, types of time, preoccupation, free time. Meaning, preoccupation means you're working. Okay, free time, poverty, affluence, mountains, rivers, cities, areas, and jungles. Uh, I think I had like the the two Mulans I had for like Quran. They had they had like eleven. They knew like eleven languages. It was like insane. I was like, because like I think it was Mulanzis or somebody. Yeah. Either him or Mulanzar, and they were just talking about. Either they were talking about it. Uh, like when we when like he did like some nine year eleven year on course and like the first couple of years you're just learning different languages. Mashallah. I was like, oh gosh. Yep, that's a real thing, man. So. In essence, he should learn from him <coughs> on anything until he obtains paper and gets the opportunity to write it on it. He should write on whatever is available to preserve the essence of knowledge, and he must learn this from four types of people. Number one, who, one who is older than him. Number two, younger than him. Number three, equal to him. And number four, from the books of his father with the condition that he understands his father's style of writing. So now, some of this just seems like it's breaking things down, but some people might have an ego issue learning from a peer mm -hmm. or learning from someone younger. Mm -hmm. Some people might have an issue of learning from somebody older. Right? So it's basically saying you are learning from every type of person. These are the four key types. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what you find these lists of four are often summaries of every possibility. Mm -hmm. yeah. In essence, he should learn from whatever he can. Whomever. Whoever, whoever yeah. he can. Uh, he should not hesitant, hesitate thinking it beneath him to learn from his equal or someone younger than him. He should do all this with four intentions. For, number one, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is obligatory upon the servant to keep his master happy. Number two, acting upon all the knowledge that is in accordance with the Qur'an. Number three, to transfer knowledge to students and earn, earnest knowledge seekers. And earnest knowledge seekers. Number four, to keep the torch of guidance alight after putting it into writing. Mm -hmm. So, if, if there is one thing to really hold on to in this list, I say hold on to this list of four right there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And all of these things cannot be gained but with four things. Number one, his effort and toil. Number two, the art of penmanship and writing. Mm -hmm. Number three, linguistics, by which he learns meanings and concepts of words. And number four, Arabic morphology and syntax, by which one can discern the correctness of words and sentences. So in many uh, Alam courses, you're also going to be learning you know, how to write neatly. Mm -hmm. That was the interesting thing about Ibn Taymiyyah, that if you look at his notebooks, his writing is very hard to read. Uh, most people have just beautiful writing because they're also given extensive training in beautiful writing. Yeah. <clears throat> All of these four things are dependent on four things which are wise, which are otherwise unattainable except by the mercy and gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. Number one, health. Number two, ability. Number three, e eagerness for knowledge. And number four, sharp memory. Mm -hmm. So those are things you pray for. Mm -hmm. okay. And then when you have them, you take care of them. Mm -hmm. 
And when all these are attained, four things become contempt contemptible to to him due to his for, due to his thirst for knowledge. Number one, wife. Number two, children. Number three, wealth. And number four, home. So what are we saying here? That <clears throat> there's the ayah that people often misread, saying your wife and your children are your are fitna for you, mm-hmm. especially if you are seeking to get uh, to develop knowledge. Because why? You're going to dedicate time to your wife. You're going to dedicate time to your children, and then wealth. Wealth is just the acquisition of wealth and then preservation of your wealth and the preservation of your home. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying is that if you're taking the path of ilm, you're going to be living in a very, very, very simple, simple life, right? It's sunnah to be married, right? So it's not like, um, um, you know, marriage is a bad thing. This word contemptible is very easy to misunderstand because it's going to make it sound like you hate your wife. Mm-hmm. No, it's saying that these are obstacles to, to you because your time is, is focused on those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we see it today in terms of people in their careers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like the yeah. for these scholars, um, or at the, in that time period, and the people who are learning at that time, where their approach was like to like first get dean and then like get married and then. Usually, they all get married early. Oh yeah. Right, uh, and usually, often the marriage would be chosen by the parents. Oh yeah. Right, okay. and and but keep in mind that's also that particular uh, subset of greater Muslim culture, where if you're in the family of scholars, you're probably going to be marrying the daughter yes. from a family of scholars. Mm-hmm. And it probably, probably means your daughter, is, your wife is probably going to be a scholar too, mm-hmm. right? Our era, you don't have too many of those circles, right? And what you have very often are people, if you're in Chicago, except there's like a few tiny pockets where you have a couple, you know, families of, of, of you know, where there's a focus on a scholar, usually because the, most cases because the husband's a scholar, a few cases because the wife is a scholar, mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, and so the the point being that uh, the adjustment is much more difficult in our time. Because suppose you're in college, you decide I want to become a scholar. You know, it's going to be much harder to find a wife than if you decide I'm going to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Likewise for the wife. Sometimes it's easier for the wife just because the guy has the obligation to provide. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> and then this person is tested by four things. And so note this one for yourself too. Mm-hmm. Number one, enemies who rejoice at his misfortune. Number two, criticism of his friends. Number three, contempt of the ignorant. And number four, jealousy of the scholars. Okay, so these are the things where you're really going to get tested. And when a person is patient with these four things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants him four things in the material world and Mm -hmm. four things in the hereafter. These four things in the material world are, number one, respect and contentment, qana. Number two, dignity and the ability to inspire with uh, certitude, yaqeen. Number three, sweetness of knowledge. And number four, a long life. Mm-hmm. So that's what you get uh, if you can persevere past the other four. Oh, all those four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the four things of the hereafter are, number one, intercession on behalf of whomever he wishes. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Interesting. Shifa. Number two, shade under the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day when there will be no other shade. Number three, ability to gain... To give water. Give water. To give water. Oh. Yeah. Ability to give water from the basin uh, of Kotha mm-hmm. uh, to whomever he wishes. And number four, proximity to the Prophet of Allah subhanahu, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala in the highest abode in paradise. Al-A'la al-Illiyin. Illiyin, yeah. And so, so, and almost in some ways, note this one the most. This is what's available to all of us on the hereafter. 
by fulfilling <laughs> what comes above. No, I mean, most of what's above is about narrating the prophet, um, the hadith of uh, the prophet, peace be upon him. But these previous other two lists um, are your challenges. Right. Okay, uh, let's stop right here, and the next time we'll get into fiqh. Okay. Any other questions or thoughts? Alright. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nasafirika natubi ilaik wa akhira da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.